realize that God has brought you a long ways. A lot of times when we're in the moment, we don't realize just how much God has done for us. We don't realize just how, much, how far God has brought us. But when we look back, we see that God has done amazing things, that God has brought us a long ways. And although we don't always realize it, it's something to give him thanks for, something to give him thanks for. This morning, I want to preach to you out of Matthew chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, you can open up there. That's mainly where we're going to be at this morning. Matthew chapter 4. My message for this morning is called this, try less and trust more. Try less and trust more. Like I said, this is a time for new, re new resolutions. People, uh, like I said, people want to bring about change. People say, I'm going to be a better person in 2020, right? In tw the year of 2020, I'm going to be more patient, right? In the year of 2020, I'm going to, maybe you might say, I'm going to give up uh, something. I'm going to give up alcohol. I'm going to give up uh, uh, tobacco, right? I'm going to give up that nagging substance in my life. I'm going to give up uh, gossiping about other people, right? I'm going to let go of the bad things and try to take on some good things, right? I'm going to try and become a better person in 2020. And a lot of people say those things, right? Some of people might say, I want to lose weight, right? I want to lose weight. Uh, I, I, that's my resolution, right? That's, that's something that I, I'm setting out in 2020. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go set these things. But a lot of people fail miserably. A lot of people fail miserably, right? Right? How many of you in here have ever failed a resolution? I know I have. You know, I said, I said I'm going to drop 20 pounds. It never happened, right? What? Oh, no, I do, for sure, for sure. Dude, it's all that, it's all that pie this winter. You know, it's, like, it's crazy. It's like whenever you hit Thanksgiving, it's just like, bam, 15. 15 on right there, right there, right? It's, it's, it's always there. Year after year, we make resolutions, but there's no change. You might be saying now, and we're on the verge of 2020, and you're saying this is what I want to do, but that's what you said last year. Right? There's no change. There's no change from year to year. So what are we to do about this? There's no power. That's why there's no power. It's like, it's like a ship saying, I want to go from New York to London. But we haven't even fired it up yet. There's no power. It's saying, I want to go somewhere. I want to be someone. I want to change my life, God. God, I want to get my life in order, but there's no power behind it. There's no power behind it. I want to tell you is that as a Christian, there is a power that is very available to you. There's a power that is, I, I talked about this a little while ago with, with peace being in your pocket. The Holy Spirit is very available to you. And the Holy Spirit is the power that we have to get us where we want to be, to make us more like Jesus. There is no power for a lot of people, but as Christians, we have power. We have the power of God available to us to help us to change our life. A lot of times when we don't have power, the second we face obstacles or anything like that, uh, we crumble. We crumble. We, we, we say, God, I want to be a different person. But the second you face adversity, the second you face a trial of some sort, the second that coworker gets on your nerves, it all goes downhill, right? And we crumble beneath the pressure. I want to tell you that you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to crumble into peer pressure. You don't have to, to go back into old ways of living. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have hope. We have hope. A lot of people say, why should I even try to change? There's no hope. That's a lie. Straight from the devil. Because there is hope. There is power. If you read this book, every person that came in contact with the Spirit of God was completely and utterly changed. Was completely, that, that's why whenever, whenever they 
the people saw the Apostle Paul, they were completely bewildered. Why? It wasn't because he could just quote more Bible verses. It wasn't because he you know, started you know, this grand old church. No, it was because they saw a life change in him. And that's what happens when you come into contact with the Spirit of God. There is hope. There is a point to all this. And so I, wanna, I want to just tell you this morning that we all have the power to change as Christians. We have the power to make life change, to become more like Jesus, and it is the Holy Spirit. Okay, Matthew chapter 4. Actually, I, I want to start with Matthew 3. I think it's on there. Yes. So let's start here with Matthew 3. Um, 13 through 17. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved Son, who brings me great joy. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he, be- he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came in- to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. I also want to kind of fast forward a little bit. This is after, after Jesus um, is tempted by the devil. He, he leaves. Verse 23 of the same chapter. I didn't give this to you, but listen here. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Jesus was beginning something new. Uh, Here in this passage, uh, prior to this point, uh, we just celebrated Christmas, right? So prior to this point in the book of Matthew, Jesus is born. It's a Christmas story. Fast forward, there's a little uh, scene in the temple when Jesus is 12 years old, where Jesus, at 12-year-old Jesus is teaching everybody else what's up about God and, and all these kinds of things in the temple. And all these people are like, how does this 12-year-old know so much? Well, maybe it's because the incarnation of God, but they don't know that. But then we fast forward again, and Jesus uh, is about 33 years old. And Jesus says, I am going to start something new. I'm going to embark on my ministry. I just read it there at the end. Jesus went about preaching and teaching in the synagogues, healing the sick. Jesus began his ministry, his traveling ministry. Jesus was beginning something new, but before he began something new, Jesus knew there would be a process. There'd be a process. I want to tell you, church, that when you embark to become more like Jesus, you say, God, change me. God, I want to embark on a new journey to become more like Jesus. 
It's going to be a process. It's going to be a process, okay? So that's number one for today. There will be adversity. There will be a process to it. You will face trial. But Jesus knew this. Jesus knew there will be a process to this thing. And so he says in there, he says, I'm going to go be baptized so we can fill out every right requirement that God has for it. He's going to go, he said, I'm going to go be baptized because this is part of the process. Part of the process. When Jesus goes, he's baptized, and what happens? He comes up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit descends on him, the Bible says, like a dove. The Holy Spirit comes and, and is on him, but remains on him. This is very important for a couple reasons. One, in the Old Testament, uh, that's everything prior to the book of Matthew, when the Holy Spirit would come upon someone, it would only be for a short period of time. The Bible would say that they were empowered by God, or they were the, the Holy Spirit came upon them, but it never stayed. It was, it was fleeting. It, the Holy Spirit would come, and the Holy Spirit would go. God would empower someone to do something, like Moses, you know, splitting the Red Sea, right? God would empower someone to do something, but it would never stay. It would always leave. And so these people were, were to follow God's law, but they never had the Holy Spirit to do it. But this is very important because when the Holy Spirit comes onto Jesus, it stays. Jesus, it's not going to leave Jesus. Jesus is now empowered to do what he has been called to do. And that's what I want to tell you this morning. Every, everything that we see in the life of Jesus is the blueprint for how we should live our life. I want to say that again because we need to hear that. Everything that happens in the life of Jesus is a blueprint for how we should live our life. And so Jesus going, getting baptized, if Jesus felt the need to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the Holy Ghost into his life, then why do we think we're any different? Why do we think that we can operate outside of the power of the Holy Spirit? We can't. We can't. This, this is a Pentecostal church. If you don't know what that means, it means that, that we, we celebrate, we uplift the day of Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit of God was poured out because we believe in this church that the Holy Spirit is instrumental. It is necessary. It is 100% everything to living the Christian life. And Jesus understood this. Jesus knew that if I'm going to go do this, if I'm going to go preach and teach the good news of God, if I'm going to go heal the sick, if I'm going to go raise the dead, I need the Holy Spirit. And so he's baptized he receives the holy spirit and if you are going to embark upon life change in 2020 if you want to drop some addiction in 2020 if you want to stop looking at the websites you shouldn't on the internet in 2020 if you want to want to get right with your marriage in 2020 if you want to uh, fix things in your family in your household in 2020 then we need the holy spirit of god i need the holy spirit because the power will not come from within this is what the, the society will tell you one of the biggest markets for writing books right now is for self-help and I'm not against tricks and, and all kinds of things you can use life hacks to get your life a little bit more organized but that will only get you so far that will only get you so far that's a power from within but the power from within will run out but if I know anything it's that the power from God does not run out that God's power will not run out God's power will keep you and it will sustain you and it will it will give you the strength that you need for tomorrow that's what God's power will do for you but we cannot operate outside of it when we try to we fail we try to live out supernatural salvation by natural power and that does not work it's not work it's one of the things I love about God God said, okay, I'm going to save you. I'm going to forgive you of your sin. I'm drawing you. I'm redeeming you. But I'm, not, I'm just not going to leave you there. I'm not just going to leave you there. See, this was the problem with Israel. Several times in the Old Testament, God, God, God forgives Israel. They're like, okay, God. God says, all right, Israel, you messed up again. 
<laughs> you're wandering, grumbling, complaining. I forgive you. You're my people. I forgive you. But they never had the power, never had the power to live rightly. But now, Jesus shows us, you have the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. Jesus, John says in Matthew 3, part of this, that he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. We have the ability to receive this Holy Spirit straight from Jesus himself. And to have power, to have power to go forward in living the Christian life. Living the Christian life. So Jesus is starting something new, right? He's starting something new. I told you this would be a process. So he goes, he gets baptized. And the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's interesting because a lot of times when we, we talk about the Spirit of God, it's victory, it's triumph, right? And it is. It is victory and triumph. But it's not always sunshine and rainbows, Sometimes God has to take you through some things. God, sometimes there's things that happen in life and God's teaching you something. And so Jesus goes and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and he is tempted by Satan. Satan comes to him and tempts him three different times. Tempts him three different times. I find this to be very fascinating because Jesus, Jesus is a mystery, 100% divine, yet 100% human. This is what the Christian faith has taught for thousands of years. And in this moment, we see a lot of the humanity of Jesus. We see Jesus triumph in this moment because he has the Holy Spirit of God. But Jesus was tempted, nevertheless. Meaning that Jesus did think about it. It's not a temptation if you don't think about it. Right? Jesus was tempted for a moment. Jesus was was, was actually thinking about these things for a moment, but no. Jesus was tempted, but he said no. Every single one of these are, 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 are a rebuttal, a, a no. I might be tempted to do this, but no. In, 20, in 2020, I about said 20, 2019, right? That's, man, the years are just running together. The other day I was thinking like, man, 2009 was 10 years ago. I feel old. I feel real old, right? In 2020, you will be tempted to do some things. In 2020, you will be tempted to act outside of the will of God. Say no. In 2020, you might be tempted to do some things that you know God does not want you to do. You might be tempted to open some doors, to walk down some paths that God does not want you to go down. Say no. The Spirit of God will empower you just like the Spirit of God empowers Jesus here. I find this very fascinating. Jesus replies with Scripture right? Jesus replies with scripture. Why? Because he's empowered by the spirit of God. The scripture are just words if the spirit is not there to bring it to life. The, spirit is, the scripture is just words if the spirit is not there to give it life, but when the spirit gives it life, then it is breathing, and Jesus uses it as a rebuttal because if you remember what Jesus said, Jesus said that the, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of all truth, the spirit of all truth, and so Jesus in this moment filled with the spirit of truth comes back at him and says, no, I'm not falling for your tricks. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. And so Jesus, in this moment, has a, has a simple three-step formula I want to give for you for, for your life in 20, how we can mimic Jesus in 2020 to, to, to change and to become more like God. It's very simple. In this moment, Jesus trusts in God with his baptism. He trusts. That's what baptism is. It's turning our lives over to him. I trust in God. I trust in God, then I call upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. Whenever you ask, God will never refuse you when you ask. 
I firmly believe that. Whenever, whenever you turn towards God, the Bible says that he will draw near to you. So if, you're, if you are in this place and you don't know God, it's as simple as calling out to him. And when we do, the Holy Spirit comes. We trust, then the Holy Spirit comes. There's a way forward. There's a way forward. We sang it last week. I love that song. He is a way maker. A way maker. That's what God is. In this, in this moment, Jesus is tempted, but no, no siree. Not today, Satan. There's a way forward because God makes that way, giving Jesus these scriptures to reply back. Jesus is then tempted again. He uh, goes back at him again. Three times, three times it says that. And I, I think that's important that it's three times. It could have been four or five, it doesn't matter. But the fact that it was multiple times, I think that's very important. Because in 2020, you will face challenges, but anybody that's lived life knows that there's never just one challenge, right? There's never just one challenge. It's, it's multiple challenges. I mean, that's how we were walking in this room this morning to pray, and it felt like, God, there's many challenges this morning. There's, there are many things going on. There's many people that are sick. There are people that are dying. God, there's, there's, there, are, there are, are obstacles in each and every way. And if, if any of you know, there's never just one challenge, right? There's many challenges. There's many challenges. But for every single challenge that rises... God's grace will rise as well. For every single moment where you feel defeated, God's grace never ends. This is the beautiful thing about our God, that God is never ending, that God, God is a never ending source of life and grace. And so you might run out, but God never does. And so with every challenge that arises, God has more power. God has more grace. God has more sufficiency for you. God has more life for you. God's spirit has more for you. I have a t-shirt. It's one of my favorite t-shirts. It just says, there is more. It's the name of a Christian album that I love to listen to. But it's very true. There is more for you. There is more, 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 more. Why? Not because of your power, but because of his power. Because God is never-ending source of strength in life and power. There is more of him. That's why, you know, Bradley preached out of this text um, a couple months ago, in 1 Kings, Elijah and his friends are surrounded by the army of the opposing um, nation. And, and, and they look around and they say, there are more of us than there are of them. There are more of us than there are of them. And sometimes it seems like you're surrounded. Sometimes the challenges are mounting up. Sometimes there's more than three challenges, right? There's 40 or 50, it seems like. But there is more of us than there are of them. There is more of us because we have God on our side Jesus said, greater is he that's living in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that's in me. God never runs out. God's supply never runs out. He always makes a way forward. We have to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a problem I see in, in just life in general with a lot of Christians. We live, we, we profess, on Sunday morning we profess, God is real. I love God, I praise God, I lift my hands in worship, I sing, all these things, but we live as if God does not actually exist. We live our lives as if there is not this supreme, all-powerful, amazing, loving, heavenly Father that is beyond our comprehension. We act as if he does not exist. We act as if we have no help. We act as if we are a people without any hope. We act as if we are a people without any peace or any love or any joy. We act as if we have nothing when we have everything we could ever need. 
examine your life. I mean, on the day-to-day basis, are you living as if the Holy Spirit is right there? Are you living as if the power of God is available to you right there? Because many Christians are walking about trying to live out the purposes and the plans of God, acting as if he doesn't exist, acting as if he's not actually real and available and there in the moment. God is extremely near. You know, there's this idea that people will paint in their head of God as, as you know, the Bible says that God is a king to, to, to point to the sovereignty of God, to the rule of God. Yes, but his throne isn't way out there. The Bible teaches that God is near, that God is close, that God is right there. When we're going throughout our daily lives, whenever you're going through your daily life in 2020, what I want to tell you is that God is right there. Jesus knew by the Spirit of God that his help was right there. It was right there. Whenever we acknowledge God, God draws close to us, and we will receive power. It's what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this. Says you want to go to next? There we go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth, to the ends of St. Joseph, right? The Holy Spirit is something that is not talked about enough in church. I've been talking about it so far this morning. You have a power that's available to you. A power that's available to you. Something that is otherworldly. Hi. Uh, something, that is, something that is not of this world, but available in this world. The Holy Spirit will give you power, it says. And it's very clear there. The power is to be a witness. But anybody who's lived the Christian life long enough knows that the power is not just to be a witness, but it is for everything. The power is, to, is, is freedom from addiction. The power is freedom from, from anything that we could ever, that, that is holding us back. The power is, is, is the power to love, the power to be like Jesus, the power to walk in, in, in holiness and to walk closer to God. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. I think this is very important, relating it back to Matthew 4. Because, you know, Jesus, he's baptized, goes into temptation. The temptation is a very much a time of weakness, right? It's, it's not, there's not really much power there. It's a time of weakness. He's fasting for 40 days. I can't fast for 40 minutes, you know, without, without being like, gosh, give me something to eat, you know? Uh, you know? <laughs> Oh, man, I shouldn't say that. But anyways, um, Jesus, 40 days. Imagine that. That's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. 40 days. It's this time of weakness. This, this time of 40 days is a time of weakness of Jesus in the wilderness, intentionally making himself weak. But I think that's very important. And this is why, this is just a side note. has nothing to do with the sermon. But I think that in 2020, as a church, as an individual, you should take up some more fasting. You should pray about doing some more fasting because there is something about intentionally making yourself weak that makes God stronger in your life. There is something about saying, God, I'm going to give up a portion of my life so I can have more of your life. There's something about it. I don't know the inner workings of of all of these things, but I do know that fasting works and that whenever Jesus wanted to, when Jesus, (laughs) amen, whenever Jesus wanted to receive more power whenever Jesus wanted to be able to start his ministry, he began it by getting weaker, 
by fasting, by submitting himself, by being humble. In 2020, it would do us well to implement more fasting. Amen? It would do us, and that's something, he won't get a lot of amens in a lot of churches because America's, we love our food, don't we? I just talked about how I can't do it for 40 minutes. But uh, all joking aside, fasting is powerful. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. He said, when you fast, don't act like the Pharisees, but he, he said, when you fast. It's something that's essentially commanded to us. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a branch of prayer. We are to, to make ourselves weak so that God is strong. But anyways, Jesus goes through this time of weakness. And it's after the weakness that Jesus is then able to do all these things. Now, I don't know if Jesus could have performed a miracle before this point. I don't know. He's the incarnation of God. Who knows? Could he have? Probably. But did he? No. Because once again, Jesus' life is a blueprint for ours. You and I will never be able to have any sort of miracle or any, if we are not seeking first the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus, in this time of weakness, is seeking God. And it's when he is done with these 40 days that he has gone through these trials and these temptations that Jesus then, full of the power, the healing power of God, goes out and establishes his ministry. You will receive power, River Church. You will receive power. Never forget it. That as a Christian, you have power. The devil, Satan, what he likes to do, is tries to make you feel small and weak, as if you have no hope, as if you have no power, as if there's nothing that you can do about anything. That's what happens whenever we sin, whenever we fall into temptation, whenever we fall back into maybe that old lifestyle, whenever we do things that we know we should not do, we feel small and insignificant. We feel like we're worthless and like we have nothing. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have power. Yes. Don't forget it. Amen. The promise of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit is not that you never will sin, but it's that you don't have to. That there's a power available to you to walk out this Christian life. Okay. Lastly, Jesus, in this moment, I've kind of already alluded to this, but I just want to make this point very clear. Jesus knows where his help comes from. Jesus knows that his help comes from the Lord. Jesus knows that his help is not within himself. And I want to make this point very, very clear because anybody that tries to make a spiritual life change uh, in their life, yeah, that's, yeah, whatever. When anybody that tries to make a spiritual change in their life, right, I, I was just being redundant. I was, it, you know, you never want to do that. Anybody that try to, tries to make a spiritual change in their life, oftentimes when they hear a message, maybe you hear a message on, on repentance of sin or, or something like that. It's like, God, I'm so sorry, God. Or maybe you're, you come up here for prayer and you know that the things you've done this week have not been honoring to God. You know that you've been walking in sin. You know that you want to turn your life around. God, I want to be better. God, I want to be stronger. God, I want to do this or that. God, I'm tired of feeling depressed and anxious. God, I want to get over this thing. God, help me. A lot of times what happens, especially if you're like me, is we will, you know, roll up our sleeves and, and furrow our brow. I'm going to be the best version of myself I could ever be. It, it, it's just like this kind of inner grit. And it really is like, I think it kind of stems maybe a little bit from the American dream. Like, you know, if I can just work hard enough at something, then I can accomplish it. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, not by power, not by might, but only by the Spirit of God, says the Lord. 
We cannot become like Jesus by just furrowing our brow and having enough self-discipline and doing it. No, it's only by the power of God. Jesus knew where his help came from. He knew that his help was not by, you know, scrunching up his muscles and, you know, going down. No, it was from God. His help came from God. This is what Psalm 121 says. Psalm 121 says, I was, uh, oh, sorry, I meant to say 121. I think I might have texted you 122. From where does my help, it's very famous, I can just quote it from memory. From where does my help come from? My help does not come from the hills. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. So, River Church, in 2020, you will face challenges and obstacles whether you're, whether or not, I will say this, whether or not you're trying to change your life, you're going to face obstacles. You're going to face challenges. But for those of you in this place that are examining yourself and you're saying, God, help me to be better at whatever it is. God, help me to be a better parent. God, help me to be a better spouse. God, help me to be a better grandparent. God, help me to be a better student. God, help me to be a better follower of Jesus. Help me to be a better son of God. Help me to be a better daughter of God. Help me to be better. Help me to walk away from the lifestyle. I know that's bad and to walk and it was good. For those of you in this place that that's your heart cry, you will face challenges. You will face obstacles. You will. It's a promise. Jesus promises this in Scripture. It's one of the most peculiar but yet beautiful phrases in all of Scripture. Jesus says, in this life, you will face trials and troubles of many kinds. And they're probably looking up like, Jesus, you are Jesus. What do you mean you're telling me? I just thought, Jesus, you were going to stick around and just going to snap your fingers every time something bad happened, you know, and everything's going to be all hunky-dory. Jesus says, no. You will face trials and troubles of many kinds. It is coming. It is a guarantee of Scripture. The bad things will happen. But do not fear. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. In 2020, you will face many challenges, many trials. Many things will come your way. In 2019, there were things that came your way that you never in a million years could have guessed or expected. Yet God was faithful, and you're here. And he will be faithful again. And so in those moments... What we're to do is very much what Jesus did, is to trust, to relish and to rest in the Holy Spirit and to walk through when God makes the way forward because he will. God is faithful. God's been faithful in 2019 and 2018 and 2017. In all these years, God has done these things. That's why I started with what I said about my Bible. I never intended to do that, but God, all these years, I look back at this old Bible and I think God has been faithful and God will be faithful in 2020, come hell or high water, the challenges that arise, God will be faithful. Amen. And God will be there for you. It, it, it's, it's a matter of reaching, saying, God, I need you. God, I trust in you. So I said earlier, my message this morning is to try less and to trust more. Because our inclination whenever things, uh, whenever, as the phrase is, crap hits the fan, whenever, uh, whenever bad things happen, Right? Our inclination is to just try harder and just to be better. Try less and trust more. Amen. Trust more in the power of God, the Holy Spirit that is available and right there for you. The Holy Spirit will be with you. And God, remember I said, God is more. God is more. There's more of God than you could ever imagine. More grace, more life, more of his spirit than you could ever imagine. So River Church, take hold. Because bad things will happen. 
But blessings will happen too. Miracles happen too. Great things happen too. God's grace is abundant for whatever we need. Amen. You know, there was, a, there was a, a time where a bad thing happened. And, uh, you know, Jesus, the end of his life was very terrible, very tragic. Uh, you know, Jesus was arrested. Jesus was tortured and beaten. Jesus was nailed to a tree, to a cross. Jesus was killed innocently by Roman soldiers and uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees. But Jesus, throughout it all, there was never any forsaking of God that went on. There was a trust filled by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Filled by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, Jesus died. And we think, well, you know, if, if the story ended there, we'd be like, what happened? But that same spirit that Jesus trusted in as he died was what resurrected him three days later. That's what resurrected him three days later. And so as we enter into a time of communion today, I want you to think about that. As, even as Jesus died, he trusted in God. The power of the Holy Spirit was with him. Yet he was resurrected three days later. The resurrection power of God was with him. And it will be with us because God is more than we could ever imagine or think. God is more grace, more power, more love, more life for us. And so at this time, um, I'm going to ask if the band would come back up. And I'm going to ask.